0: Welcome to this MI3 audio edition. We are seeing all sorts of things happen in the market as a result of this COVID-19 crisis. Some are experiencing a boom through the global pandemic. Some are just holding on, whilst most are probably in complete shutdown. So with us today to explore what's happening now and next across the marketing media and tech industries is Suncorp's Executive General Manager, brand and marketing, Mim Hasem. Admar's CEO and board director at Kathmandu and Ripcurl, Andrea Martins, and Mark Ritson, the former marketing professor and marketing commentator, who will no doubt have some cracking insights. So welcome to you all today on this remote podcast. A bit unusual for us uh, being outside the studio, but this is the sign of the times. Uh, Welcome all. First to you, Mim Hasem. We had Telstra's CMO, Jeremy Nicholas, on the podcast last week. And he was talking about how he hasn't cut back marketing budgets and activity yet. Suncorp is, uh, I think, in a similar position. You've got a lot going on, not a lot of cuts yet, but there's been a huge shift in the type of work you're doing. You've also had some really disruptive strategies come around sponsorship and sports. You were a sponsor of the AFL and netball. Tell us your priorities and what's shifted for Suncorp's marketing team in the past two weeks.
1: Yeah, well, I think um, in terms of timing, we started really taking a good look at shifting marketing priorities probably two, two and a half weeks ago when it became really clear that a lot of the workforce was going to have to start working from home and a lot of events were potentially going to start being cancelled. And you called out there, Paul, we have a lot of great sponsorship partnerships with Netball Australia, AFL, just to name a couple. And it became really clear that a lot of those events weren't going to be able to go ahead and therefore wouldn't be broadcast. So uh, we very quickly had to start looking at all of our marketing plans, not just around those activities, but more holistically as well, because obviously there wasn't going to be broadcast events that we usually would have been very heavily integrated to. So I kind of took an approach, as you said, we haven't cut our marketing budgets and we have no intention of doing that. I think in this environment, it's more important Than ever for brands to have a really strong presence and to ensure that they maintain their brand equity, so that when we all do come out of this situation, we're in a really strong position to to move forward with the brands and with the and with the business. So we're really making sure. You know, I sort of talked to the team about three key themes that we need to focus on. One is being visible and making sure that we continue to have a really strong brand presence. The second is about being relevant. So working in an essential services so to speak with banking and and insurance we need to make sure that we are talking to our customers about the information that they want to know right now and that, that we're being very very relevant in terms of the comms and the marketing that we're putting out there. And the third theme I talk to is one of optimization, and that does come through in the media plans that we have. So, you know, we're all seeing shifts in the consumption of different media channels. We're seeing an increase in um, BVOD, streaming, TV. Um, obviously, there's no cinema happening at all anymore. Um, the out-of-home landscape has shifted given people aren't driving as much into work, etc., and same with radio. So the optimization piece has really been around um, making sure that we're continuing to achieve our reach and frequency, if you want to call it that, targets, but doing so through the channels that are most relevant and right for us at the moment because the world's changed really significantly in the space of two weeks. Um, so to help achieve all of those changes in the way that we've been looking at how we reflight all of our marketing plans, Um, auditing all of the messages and you know when you think about Suncorp Group we oversee the bank um, but also nine insurance brands so it's an incredibly huge volume of work and big programs of work and we've literally had to do an audit on every campaign that we're taking out to market, whether it's above the line or in our direct channels, um, to make sure that the the content feels relevant, to make sure that the offers feel relevant for this point in time, and that we're also talking to the current environment. So we've kind of broken our team up into three squads. Um, One squad is focused on what is the reassurance messaging? Um, How are we changing some of our brand comms to talk more to reassurance and to also talk to some of the financial support packages that we've put in place. Um, The second team looks at BAU. What's the BAU work? Is it still relevant? Do we need to tweak any of the offers, etc. And then the third team is looking at proactive ideas. Given this environment, what what are the things that our brands can do and what role can they play that we hadn't planned for in this environment that's going to keep us relevant and, and right for our customers at this point in time?
0: Look, it's it's. I'm not sure where to start. There's a, there's a lot there, Mim. Uh, just if we walk back for a moment to the decision not to cut, was that a difficult conversation to have with your C-suite, with the executive team, or were they there from the get-go?
1: There from the get-go, but I would say that is a result of the work that we've been doing over the last 18 months, two years. You know, when I came into the role in Suncorp, I was really keen um, to shift the dynamics so marketing wasn't seen as a cost centre but was seen as a revenue and growth driver and as part of that it was also educating the board and the C-suite that brand equity is, and top of funnel if you want to call it that, is just as important as the acquisition And the sales numbers that they're looking at, you you don't get one without the other. And so I think having done a really solid education piece over the last 18 to 24 months in that space, the automatic response in a a situation like this was not to go straight to marketing to save costs. Um, And so I think that all of that work that's been done held us in really good stead because I think our board and our leadership team really understand the importance of brands and the importance of having the right kind of spend to support the required activities.
0: So when you talk about brand now, and we talked earlier about sort of performance and lower funnel activity, there's quite a significant shift of the weighting that you're putting behind brand versus sort of customer acquisition, but brand versus lower funnel performance marketing, what's going on there? And there's still a role for both, is there, for Suncorp?
1: Yeah, look, we have shifted the weighting and we've shifted the weighting more to brand messaging, an an even higher percentage than we already had to brand messaging versus acquisition. Having said that, we do still have acquisition messaging in market because people still do need insurance. What we are looking at is what are the offers that we're putting into market and do they feel relevant now? You know, I think a month ago, there were some double up and saves, for example, that we might not put into market now the focus on roadside assistance, a free roadside assistance product, like we're having a look at that at the moment, questioning is that relevant when people aren't driving as much. What's interesting is that our partner that we work with who – provides roadside assistance said they're being used as much as ever and actually what's interesting is people need them to come and jumpstart their cars when they haven't been driven for a while so it's kind of an interesting environment where I think you know none of us should be making sweeping assumptions but we should all be very mindful and considerate of what customers and the public needs at this point in time and really lean into into that in terms of the office that we are putting in market if you're talking about at an acquisition level
2: well I have to tell you, that's your textbook answer. And I'm telling you, you're going to get one out of 100 CMO, EGMs being able to answer it like that. And I'll tell you why. First, most of them aren't at the same level as MIM. Second, even if they are, they're not going to be able to sell it to the board. And third, even if they can sell it to the board, getting the money to maintain a marketing budget during this kind of pre-recession and into a recession is the ultimate test of brand building and the reason i say that and it's not it's not hyperbole i can show you right now if you wanted 40 really good peer-reviewed studies from properly big samples b2c b2b insurance consumer goods you name your industry we've got the data that will prove and i don't use that word lightly either that will prove that not only should you maintain brand spend during a recession if you possibly can, you actually want to up your investment in it proportionately, as Mim says, versus performance marketing, and even in real terms, because the classic lesson, and we've known this for a hundred years, again, no exaggeration, is although a recession is an incredibly difficult time for a company and a marketing team, it is a massive, massive opportunity to build brand and also gain a huge marketing advantage. And cutting a very long story very short, it comes down to the fact that most of your competitors will either go out of business or will lose their nerve and cut back their marketing spend. And as a result, your relative spend and your relative predominance in the market means that when inevitably the recession ends, you come out of it with 20 to 30 points worth of increased growth versus the category and again 100 case studies to show you that we all know it if you're properly trained but being able to do what mims just done which is gone basically i know it i've convinced the board we're doing it means that you would look at her brands as being in a rare position where they'll they'll strengthen as a result of the covid19 crisis
0: Good points, Mark. And, and Mim, I guess we have this conceptual notion of spending on brand. And for those that haven't seen Suncorp's work, what does brand look like in this current environment? What is the work? What is the tone? What is the messaging? What is brand in this crazy phase?
1: For us, it's slightly different across you know each of the brands. They're, they're all built slightly differently but for me brand is where we're talking to the dna of the brand connecting and engaging with customers in ways that are relevant for them as opposed to trying to sell them something so if i think about i'll use suncorp as an example out of the portfolio Um, It was only at the beginning of March that we launched a new campaign, which was called the Suncorp Spirit. And the idea behind the campaign was to bring to life real customer and staff stories where Suncorp people have gone above and beyond to create a great outcome for customers. And that campaign's only been in market for, you know, not even a month yet But the intent of that at a brand level is to tell the story of the brand. What is our brand promise? What is the customer experience that you're going to have? Um, And to do it in a really authentic way. And I think, you know, for, for us, when I think about that brand campaign, that brand campaign is still incredibly relevant at this point in time because people want to know that they're with a banker or an insurance company that they can trust who's actually going to stand behind them when the going gets tough. So I think that still stands... You know it's it's holding its own so to speak, as a brand campaign in this environment. but what we are looking at doing is supplementing that and tweaking it to talk to the current environment and what we're doing more specifically in this environment to support customers. So it's not so much selling a product, it's talking to what we do as an organization and as a company and as a brand. I think another good example with Suncorp and I talked to kind of brand activity is a lot of the work that we do do with our sponsorships and partnerships. so, Netball Australia is a a really great example where we've moved fast with them. Um, Obviously, the games aren't going ahead, therefore we haven't got um, a whole lot of broadcast activity but also content that we would normally have. And we've built a great program around that partnership and sponsorship called Team Girls, which is all around keeping girls in sport and giving them skills to be confident, resilience and stay and participate in sport. Now, with Netball, without the... um, the grassroots activity happening without the local games, without the big Suncorp Super Supernetpool games going ahead, we've looked at how we can shift to an online environment and still give our customers and our team girls, advocates, that kind of access and activity to what they've always loved in that program. So Netball Australia has partnered with Netfit. We've become sponsor of that partnership, dual partnership, and NetFit is going to be delivering online programs, particularly school holiday programs, fitness programs, great tools for for girls to stay connected with their teams and to still keep up their netball skills and all the things that they love about netball so for me that's brand activity and that's a great brand play you know we really believe in building resilience and confidence in young girls we believe in the netball partnership and keeping girls in sport and so that activity while it's shifted again a great example where we haven't stopped it we've just shifted it and changed the way that we're doing it so for me that's brand activity Um, And I think brands have a real opportunity in this environment to be really relevant. And, you know, content is, is a really interesting space because I think right now we're all focused on getting relevant information that's quite dry to our customers. You know, how do you apply for financial relief if you need it, et cetera, because that's top of mind right now. So many people have been impacted in a short period of time. But I think the chances are we're all going to be in this situation for quite some time and in a couple of weeks we're all going to be looking for things to entertain us and looking for things to engage with. So when I think about, you know, our Shannon's customer base, incredibly loyal, we're working really hard to get great um, motoring content out there. All of our motorsport partnerships, broadcast partnerships, they're not happening either. So we've shifted gear again to say, what is the great content that we've got, that we've had historically, that we can resurface, what are the things that we can do um, without having to shoot TV commercials per se, but play in that content space and bring really interesting and engaging and fresh content to people who are going to be looking for things to give them a bit of relief from this. Um, Because I think we're all starting to get overwhelmed by the volume of the news stories, the numbers that are getting thrown at us every day. So I think brands need to be there to give, you know, the very straight To information customers are looking for particularly from a banking and insurance perspective but we also have an opportunity to be there to entertain and connect with our customers when they're bored out of their brains in their living room
0: before i go back to andrea and mark i just i have to ask you this one you talked about your sporting sponsorships what the hell do you do with the afl
1: yeah. So I, look, that that's an interesting one. And we're still working through that with the AFL, but from a media perspective, we know we won't have the broadcast spots. So we're working through how we replan media to still be on TV in the right um, channels and right environments for the brand. So we're kind of shifting the TV spend from an, uh, an in-sport program integration to kind of the way I would call it old school spots and dots apart from that we're looking at how we use some of the ambassadors that we've got connections with again um, to to create messages for our internal frontline teams to keep them motivated messages to customers um, that we can run through our online channels so we're looking at how we can leverage some of those ambassadors that we've got across the portfolio with all of our brands but Right now, it's about keeping the brand visible, as I said, and working through our media schedules and recutting them to make sure we've still got a presence in the right environments.
0: Andrea Martins, uh, you've got some very good visibility across a broad member base at, at Admar. Um, you know, lots of different sectors, lots of different scenarios, and you've said you said earlier that it's either booming out there for your members or it's a, it's in complete shutdown. So just talk to us a little bit about what you're hearing from your members and how this is playing out by industry, whether it be FMCG, retail service industries, uh, you've got some interesting thoughts there.
3: Thank you. Um, Look, it is extreme diversity in terms of boom or bust um, and vastly different experiences for organisations and subsequently their marketing teams. The customers are reacting really, really quickly. And in order then to protect their cash positions, organizations are responding just as quickly. So they're eliminating all the capex, but also then the variable costs wherever they can, which is where the marketing costs and the staff headcount falls into it. So from a marketing perspective, um, they're going completely dark and staff, it's really having to let teams go where basically all that is left is what is required to leave the lights on. And we all know how hard it is to attract and retain incredible staff, um, to have to let these go and having the conversations with some of the CMOs that have had to let, you know, 50, 60, 70 people go um, who are themselves now also looking out for contract work and temp roles is, is really heartbreaking. That's on one side. Um, What we're seeing on the other side, however, is other industries, um, be it around alcohol, fitness, health, food, um, where we're seeing either whole organisations or industries thrive, or else otherwise departments within organisations thrive. The themes that I'm hearing there, they're also redirecting the resources. So people and marketing to where the businesses are thriving. And driving those as hard as they possibly can because ultimately we don't know how long this is going to last right so to some extent they are very much looking to make sure that they can leverage the commercial opportunity but that is producing a a dilemma that there's been I've been in a number of meetings in the last week where this has come about where it's a conversation of we want to help our customers we need to keep bringing sales in and keep cash coming in the door so we can keep the businesses afloat and people are, um, employed. But how do we go about doing that and not come across as too commercial? And um, and finding that balance and uh, referencing back to what Mim talked about is around the tonality and being there in the right place is is key. So, you know, we, I think we've heard some great examples um, around, you know, going to market where they need to be sensitive to the circumstances that we're in, right? If we, think of, um, if we think of the Telstra pieces, we think around they've gone through checking every single piece of campaign to make sure that it's actually empathetic and it's not tone deaf. Um, they're also, you know, if we have a look at some of the great examples around celebrating where they can give back to the community um, as opposed to... Um, individual success. So if we think of, for instance, Coles and Woolworths, two of our key key retailers, when they had to fill um, 20,000 roles, what did they do? They reached out to um, to the industries that were impacted. At the same time, I was on a call earlier this week and they talked around, both have talked about the management teams are actually getting in and supporting within their organization the employees at the front face who they know are having a really tough time of it. They're in there stra- stacking the shelves every single day. At the same time, they're investing in their people. So the choices that they're making externally as well as internally um, are, are sensitive to the, to the environment that we're playing in.
0: So one of the things, Andrea, that you're talking to your member base about is three big themes they need to be pursuing and focusing on. What are those?
3: Yeah, so from our perspective, if there was ever a time that we needed to see our marketers innovate, think differently, not only about their comms, but their products, their teams and how they're going to engage their customers, it's now So listening, so really getting under the skin of their customers to understand them. It's not about the research and data they had last month or definitely not last year, but speaking directly to them and understanding what are their customers' pressure points and how, as an organisation, they can relieve them but also where are the opportunities, what they need right now, so that they can try and realign their mix to deliver against that. If we think of, look at the Uber brand, where you've got one part of the business, evidently with um, the Eats business doing exceptionally well because they're solving customers' problems. Families still wanna go out, they still wanna get takeaway, they can't get it themselves. Um, And on the other side, we've got restaurants who are really struggling and then drivers who need to be employed. By putting all of their energy and effort towards the EATS piece, um, part of their business, they're actually able to capitalize on that. The second piece is around collaborate. Nobody's got all the answers, and it really is an opportunity to collaborate across industries and also then across from an agency side, a brand side, and a partner side. I was a client, at a client council meeting on uh, earlier last week with Facebook, which was across CMOs from various industries talking about how to manage, motivate, and care for their teams during these times. There were some really valuable insights around organizations demonstrating overt support for their employees and teams at a time where extreme uncertainty and stress, there were learnings from industries and organizations that we all gleaned from each other, and it opened up conversations around brands and and further discussions post which I think we need to see more of from an industry perspective um, as we go go through this and then third one is around um, leaning in leaning in brands stepping up to help flatten the curve and help solve the problems from a broader community perspective so This is thinking around the community, the people and the marketers, but thinking beyond the comms, thinking again on the product, the distribution channels. Organizations, many are facilitating working from home that's working, that's fantastic. For some, it's been a real struggle. Um, And for some, even if I look within our own organizations, they've never worked, many functions have never worked from home. Um, Organizations supporting that is key. But then also looking at where are there opportunities as manufacturers to deploy redeploy the resources that they've got to produce products that we desperately need and not in some tokenism fashion but if we've seen some of the work that's been done with hand sanitizers that are now being provided lvmh and i know mark we've had that discussion earlier in the week look at what dyson have done with re- re-engineering their r d and products to be able to produce the much needed ventilators those types of um, areas where brands can have a true impact, that'll be what's remembered as well post this. Because at the end of the day, there will be a post this. We are, this. Yep, we're going to be stuck inside for three months at least, but we do need to prepare ourselves for businesses to thrive post COVID and uh, and working together is, is critical to enabling that.
0: Mark Ritson.
2: You know, it's an interesting question, Paul. I, I really think um, this is... Uh, an unprecedented period. The cliches are true. But I also think we can all lose our heads here and ignore what history, what research, and even what science has taught us about marketing. We, we've been through many recessions before. This is a different kind of recession, but it's still a recession. That means we can't predict how long it lasts. But again, we know that if you invest or even maintain your budget uh, while others drop theirs, you will come out much stronger. I also think there's a huge danger here that when we come out of this, and as Andrea says, we will eventually come out of it, most marketers or many marketers who frankly are in love with the pornography of change and obsessed with new, bright, fluffy feelings are going to believe that once the crisis ends, that consumers are going to suddenly be flinging open the curtains and having a lovely day and a new start and a big breath of fresh air so there's a real danger and i don't you know i've no idea when this flattens but when it does flatten we're going to go into a big recession so the last thing people want is you know a sudden move towards everyone having bright sunny mornings so i think we have to be very careful i'm already seeing articles left right and center from people who frankly should really stay quiet talking about how Everything has changed. The consumer has changed. The media will change. Uh, the nature of brands will change. And none of that is true. Not an ounce of it is true. It will take a year or more for things to stabilize. And the consumers and the brands and the way that marketing is done will return to how it was before. And we'll get a lot of people losing their chops The smart ones will stay focused on the recurring lessons of marketing and they will prosper despite the tough times ahead. You look at what's just happened, right? We've had every useless CEO in the country sending out the same pathetic email. I feel your pain. We're in this together, yada, yada, yada. Nobody cares in the consumer world about that. It just proves that most brands aren't thinking properly, and it proves that most marketers are obsessed with communications, which I would argue right now is the weakest of the four Ps. If you look at brands that are doing it properly – they're brands that are refiguring product, refiguring distribution, certainly refiguring pricing. You know, Woolies aren't necessarily the world's best supermarket, but that $80 box sent through the mail to, to you know, communities and people that are in desperate straits is a brilliant little bit of marketing, yeah? The problem is the majority of marketers in Australia think marketing is advertising, and advertising is the least important thing right now. What we need during these next few weeks and probably months of the crisis are marketers that can think on their feet and do proper pricing, product innovation and distribution work. But the problem, as we all know, is there aren't many of those men and women around. They're outnumbered by communications muppets who are obsessed with sending out inane messages and advertising where they move their logo around to help the community realise they should stay separated you know it's a key message right now what marketers should do is do their jobs and you know what the best thing we can do for australia is generate value for customers generate value for companies so we can keep people employed and keep our economy moving we don't need everyone trying to be all of a sudden you know the the country's uh, godfather or godmother get on with business and generate value for customers and put down the communication uh, toolbox and pick up the other tactics because that's what we need. So,
0: Mim Hasem, I have to get your response and view on what Mark Ritson's just said. Communications, Muppets... Uh, What do you say?
1: Oh, I I love Mark because he he always uh, doesn't hold back on on, uh, (laughs) either end of the spectrum. Uh, Yeah, look, I think it's really, as I said before, you know, our three key themes that we're working towards are being visible, being relevant and optimising and so I think... We do need to be visible. Um, I think advertising helps us be visible. But to my point before, it's got to be relevant. And I agree with Mark on the product and the pricing. And the work that we're doing right now isn't what is the next shiny TV commercial we're going to film. It's what is the next message we take to customers in terms of the financial support packages that we're developing as an organisation. Um, it's, you know, it, and that falls into, in my world, product and pricing So I agree with him that product and pricing is essential and you have to be focused on that right now to meet the customer demands. And I spoke about that before as well. You know, the customer has to be the first consideration absolutely in all of this and how are we supporting them? Um, And as an essential service, are we supporting them in the right way? So I agree that we need an absolute bloody-minded focus on product and pricing that's right for customers, that supports them in this time. For me, I think, you know, Visibility advertising helps me be visible um, and to get those messages to customers. But for me, it's it's absolutely not the the next shiny feel good ad. It's it's how we combine that context and that content and get it right so it's relevant and visible for customers.
0: Mim, can I ask though, uh, in in marketing, you know, how how deeply are you involved in in product and price development uh, at SunCorp? Because that's typically. A different part of the company. So how how involved do you get?
1: Yeah, very deeply. So we've got, we build cross-functional teams. So, um, and we've got teams for bank and for insurance because they're separate lines of business. So we work really closely. um, I'll use insurance as an example around what are the opportunities and the products that we could take to market so quite often we'll come up with ideas of what that could look like things that we think should go in a financial relief package for example we'll all work through that together but it is then the pricing team that takes that away and says what can we actually afford to do as a business that doesn't sit in my remit in insurance it's incredibly complicated Um, but we all work together and we absolutely feed them into um, product and pricing ideas and that's born from as well a lot of customer insight because um, we have the I, I guess the greatest access to the customer and the voice of the customer in the organization as well so we use that to inform the product and pricing ideas and then that part of the business tells us if we can financially do it or not
2: yeah it's very unusual but again mims on it on the money um I was talking with Andy Morley who runs marketing for Uber Eats and we were talking about what and, and Andrea mentioned them earlier done a terrific job changing their software and altering the systems and bringing in local restaurants and Andy's doing a lot of that. Now that doesn't as the marketing chief, it doesn't mean he's actually programming the stuff, you know what I mean? He's working like Mimis with the rest of the team. But the point is he's round that table. And I get a lot of marketers pushing back to me saying, "Oh, well, you know, who it's a pricing innovation. We don't do pricing anymore. You don't because you're not very good at marketing and your team is correctly taking it away from the marketing department because you're the colouring in group." There are other marketing departments that MIM runs, that Andy runs, where the marketers are involved in pricing, product development, distribution decisions, because they, as proper marketers, have their finger on the customer pulse. And you look at companies that are setting price without the marketing team, um, and what you get, of course, is underpricing, overpromotions, uh, and usually we're getting less margin because we don't have someone from the marketing team that can bring the customer part into the pricing decision. It's all based on cost, which is the dumbest way to price anything. So I think again from Mim, and I'm giving her far too easy a time. Um, she 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 demonstrates how how it's meant to be. Mim Mim, you know, is brilliant. She can't set insurance pricing. It's a fantastically complex thing. But her and her team are sat around a table feeding in what it should look like. And that's what we want from proper marketers, particularly in this crisis where we do have to reformulate. You know, we're going to have to review pricing. We have to change our products. This is when you'll find out who the real marketers are. Look,
0: it it, it alludes to um, uh, what Andrea said earlier about, you know, uh, tens of thousands of people really in marketing working from home. Uh, We did a podcast a few days back with Hoyt's CEO, Damien Keogh, who said that his leadership team was using the current period a bit like a pre-season uh, training camp to to build out their post COVID strategy. You and you and Andrea have a have a similar view, right? You've you've got you've developed a a program that's all about this. Talk us through that. What what are you up to?
2: So Andrea is an old mate of mine. We've worked together on several different company projects, and she came to me with an idea only gosh ten days ago, right, Andrea? About ten days ago, which was via Adma. Can we do something for marketers working from home? So I've taken a lot of my courses that I normally deliver in person put them into 12-hour-long live sessions and some resources via YouTube and via audio that you can essentially spend time on each week. So it's a 12-week program. It's an MBA-level, you know, it's a proper woman or man-sized content, uh, very advanced and very applied. And the idea is for the next three months while we are working from home teams or individual marketers can do the kind of development beyond, frankly, what's available at the top Australian universities, we would go beyond their level of content and, and applicability without leaving your living room or, or bathroom or wherever you want to do it. So um, the the the, uh, the only thing that we, Andrea and I, she'll probably want to talk about this more than me, but um, the only thing we disagreed on was the price. She has priced it at a level where, frankly, I understand what she's doing. I understand what she's doing. We're trying to be more benevolent and spread it out but it's a price point that i am frankly uh I don't know. What's the right word? I mean, it will never do it again. We are definitely doing something special. And I am um, only because I love Andrea and we do need to do something. We're doing it. We're doing it this way.
0: Just run us through, though. Why is it needed? I think the notion that um, there's still plenty of development and, and expertise capabilities required, Mark and Andrea, in the marketing profession. Um, so what does it look like? And I think they even get the opportunity to talk to you live twice a week or something crazy.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really, it's that painful. So Mondays we do a live class where I'll go through pricing, brand architecture, positioning, marketing strategy, um, leave a few resources that are not, you know, boring, just boring readings, but actually videos and other material, podcasts, then come back on the Thursday and we do an hour's live Q&A and discussion. And we're trying to, I mean, as Andrea pointed out, we, we want to build a somewhat of a community for people who are very separated at the moment across the 12 weeks. But we can get value out of this. You know what I mean? It's 50% of Australian marketers have no formal training in marketing. And I'm a very strange person in the sense that I actually believe that if we provided them with good training, they would get better at their jobs. Imagine that. So the goal is not just to offer something to keep people entertained, but also to to give someone the, you know a world-class training in marketing while they're sat at home with kids and partners and other work jobs to do. But... Keep developing them, and I'll tell you why it's so important. I, I personally believe there's no strategy going to get done between um, there's no strategic uh, execution we can do until January 2021. Whatever happens now, we're in tactical reactive land. It's just the way that it is. So I think that one of the few advantages of this strange period is God has given us a timeout. Most of the marketers I've worked with have never had a strategic day in their lives. They think they have, but they've just been working on tactics. So the chance to take time out, have a bit of big thinking, and then apply it back to their companies and brands is one of the few things we can do, I think, to help Australian companies get ready for a recessionary but nonetheless improved environment that I believe will kick off in January 2021. So what I'm trying to do um, for ADMA is essentially give people the higher level strategic skills so they can then get a proper plan together for what will happen and hopefully what will improve as we go through next year.
0: I want to get to Andrew in a second about how cheap uh, Mark Ritson is. I can't wait for that number. But the, the, the initial thing, though, Mark, and I'm looking at some of your themes, your subject uh, matter in this course, market orientation, market research, segmentation, strategy, targeting, etc. How much of that? I know that you say nothing changes, but really nothing changes from uh, this COVID crisis in some of uh, these things that you will talk about through the course.
2: Yeah, a a little bit, a little bit, Paul. So actually, we have what's called a COVID corner where, you know, when we're doing, for example, pricing, we'll look at the different utility streams that are taking place. There's a bit of segmentation done around COVID reactions. So we will take in each hour... My, my best bet will be, you know, five to 10 minutes to talk about how that plays out at this moment in time. But you, you know how I look at these things. I'm not dismissing it, but you must take the long-term view. This is, you know, we're, we're building brands over four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. This too will pass. I really see the COVID period, as difficult as it is, as primarily an opportunity for us to think about how are we going to manage the recession that comes And then the future years that comes. So, yeah, we will address the COVID issue, but it isn't going to be one of those ridiculous courses where, you know, we're going to build a course out of nothing to talk about, you know, COVID and what it means and blah, 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 and how you handle it with, you know, 3D printing. It's not, it's, you know, the backbone of marketing remains the same. Obviously, we will address it. It is the elephant in the room as we go through the program.
0: Andrea, uh, two questions as we wrap up. Firstly, the big one, the, the, the all important question, how cheap is Mark Ritson? First one. Secondly, uh, who is ideal for this course? So like what are the what, what is the sort of capability and professional that should be looking at it?
3: Okay, so from how cheap is Mark? So for Admar members, 445 plus GST. For groups of 10, 395 plus GST. And for other individuals, 4 95 plus GST. Really, from a value perspective, they are getting 12 weeks of unbelievable immersion um, into, into Mark's um, learning. So um, to the question of as to who. So if we have a look at the program, I know from myself having been through a number of Mark's programs and also put entire teams through this, I would say it's, whether it's a starting exec or a senior marketer you always take something away however where is it clearly targeted your marketing managers up and um, also your digital marketers who may not have had the opportunity to do the real strategic fundamentals often having gone into the role through the digital channel rather than through the fundamentals of marketing and all those strategic principles which ultimately should determine every decision they make. So marketing managers up and digital marketers.
0: So, Mim, I've got to ask you: This does does this this whole thing sound like a, a Mark Rich and value? Oh proposition? my God! I was just,
1: just thinking it sounds this? outrageous. I can't believe you could get all of that value for that price. You need to have a conversation with the price, pricing department, You're Mark. You're not
2: helping me. <laughs> You're not helping me through this. That's not. That's not constructive feedback.
1: <laughs> I think anybody that has the opportunity to do it is incredibly lucky. What a fantastic opportunity.
2: Well,
0: there's an endorsement. So listen, um, to wrap up, I really want to get Mim your take first because Mark's already said essentially not much changes. But if we look at how many people are working from home at the moment, if we look at how many how, how long they're going to be working from home, does the nature of the workplace change? Does, does, does going to work change? Does all the workplace dynamics change, or does it go back to what Mark talks about very, very very similar behaviours in 12 to 18 months?
1: I guess my view is that there are some organisations that are already really good at working from home and flexible working arrangements, and Suncorp is one of them. So we have people quite often working from home one or two days a week. In some industries and some organisations, that's not the case. And I think, you know, there's been a bit of a perception that, you know, if you're working from home, you're kind of taking it easy and are you really working and all of those things. And I think some of those kind of old-school approaches and myths will probably get debunked um, in this time. Um, But what I'm seeing is that people are really missing the human interaction, the social interaction, the interaction with their teams Um, And so I think, you know, people are still going to, those people that work in, you know, all sorts of different environments, I guess, but that traditionally come from an office space where they work with co-workers physically, I think people are still going to crave that. Not everybody is built that way, of course. I think it'll be interesting. I do agree. I think things will go back to normal per se, but I think there'll be some nuances to that. I think there will be some new ways of working that we will learn and embrace and keep going with that'll drive effectiveness and efficiency. And I think quite obviously more more companies will be set up to enable and more open to um, having people working more flexibly and working from home. So I think there'll be some interesting learnings that come out of it.
0: Yes. And I think that's probably part of the point, right? There's nothing, it's gone from everything to nothing so there's an adjustment. Uh, Andrea what is your your take on that?
3: Uh, So similar to MIM I do think that there will be changes I'm hoping for a lot of organisations culturally there'll be changes in terms of output focus rather than input focus. I think the additional stress that we're seeing with people having kids at home at the moment and homeschooling and uh, that is a stress that obviously in the future they'll be going back to school and so hopefully that is a short-lived uh, piece but I do think it's teaching more empathy. So when you've got you know a, a senior marketer with three kids in the background having a call with the leadership team and all of a sudden people get to see into what their lives are currently like you start to you you do start to see that there are more questions being asked around how people cope and um, so I think there is more that there will be hopefully going forward a little more empathy on what people need to make their life work. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hopeful for that.
0: Well, Mark, you've already said it, but any final thoughts on that? And broader consumer behaviour change too. I mean, nothing, you're pretty adamant nothing really will shift.
2: I mean, things shift all the time, right? So I'm not saying that we we wake up in 2021 and, and this consumer behaviour is identical, My point is we're going to overstate it by about 900%. And Mac, I'd like to bet right now. Well, I'd like you to pay me, okay? Because I'm I'm obviously not making money from Adma this year. What I'd like you to do is every time between now and Christmas, someone writes an article about how the consumer or brands or advertising or media are going to change as a result of the coronavirus crisis, you have to send me a dollar, okay? And I'll bet you I can take you out for dinner on it at Christmas and by the smokes.
0: Yes, okay. So, Mark, when when does this all happen? When does this course take off?
2: It kicks off on Monday, April 20th, uh, two sessions a week, and again, 100% online, do it from anywhere.
0: Thank you all. Um, I I have to say, uh, Mark Ritson, I'm probably... In, your, in the funnel, I'm at the consideration bit. I'm going, oh, this is sounding all right, this, this thing that whatever you've come up with. So you've got me at consideration. I'll, uh, I'll have a see how further I get down the funnel. But it sounds intriguing and productive. Mim Hasen, great observations from you. Thank you. Andrea Martins and Mark Ritson. Stay safe and uh, we will loop around in coming months. Thank you. MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's Moi, in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes go to podcast1.com.au or search MI3 audio edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.